Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, starting from verse 21 to 34. And this can be found from page 1002 in the Church Bibles. That's Mark, chapter 1, starting from verse 21 to 34. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. This is the word of the Lord. It's going to be a long talk. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Louis, for reading. Do keep your Bibles open there um, in Mark chapter 1. And well, good evening, everyone. It's lovely to see you all. My name is Justin. If we haven't met, I'm on staff here at Christchurch Forward. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Um, I do hope that you will be encouraged by God's word this evening. Hear these words from Isaiah 35, verse 4. It says, Say to those who are with fearful hearts, Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you, Lord, are the same, that you do not change, but you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Please help us, Father, by your Spirit to see your glory and your grace in your Son. And we ask this in his name and for his sake. Amen. Well, as you can see, we're in Mark's Gospel. And before we look at this passage together, I want to start by asking you, have you ever found yourself on the wrong side? The wrong side of someone or a situation? 
Um, maybe you've had that scary experience where you find yourself unexpectedly on the other side of the road. I've done that once or twice, and it's quite shocking. What did you expect would happen in that situation? Well, I've been watching a series uh, recently on Netflix called One Piece. Uh, maybe you've been following it. And the story follows a character called Monkey D. Luffy. That's really his name. Um, and he dreams about being king of the pirates. He sets out to gather a crew. And one of the characters, Nami, um, he convinces to, to come along with him for a while. But she double-crosses him. And she steals something from him. And, well, we wonder, what is Monkey D. Luffy going to do? He goes to find her, and he acts surprisingly. He doesn't get even with her. He goes looking for her because he wants her on his crew. I suppose a good thief is good to have on your crew if you're a pirate. But what's surprising about him is that he shows her kindness, and he actually succeeds to convince her to join him. See, in many ways, Luffy is not a pirate, or at least one that we would expect. In fact, one of his favorite taglines is, I'm a different kind of pirate. And he subverts our expectations of what a pirate is and how a pirate should act. And in doing this, he wins not only himself a crew, but he also wins over you as the viewer. Now, how on earth am I going to go from Luffy to Jesus? That's the question. <laughs> in our services, um, we've been, in the evening, we've been going over Mark's gospel. And Mark begins with this announcement in chapter 1. That is, that this gospel, this message of Jesus, is about him as the Messiah, the Son of God. It means that he is the divine Son, equal with God the Father, and he will establish God's kingdom. And in verse 2, we have a quote from the Old Testament where God promised he would come and do this. He would come and rescue his people. Last week, we saw in verses 16 to 20 that Jesus was looking for his own crew um, on the sea, shore of the Sea of Galilee, not obviously for a crew of pirates, um, but he calls people who are going to be fishers of men. He calls two sets of brothers, Simon, that is Peter, and Andrew, and the brothers James and John. And it's a reference, what happens there, to an Old Testament passage, Jeremiah 16, verse 16, where God says that he's going to send out people to be fishers of men, that is to bring people into his kingdom. And surprisingly, these two sets of brothers, they drop everything right there and then, and they follow him. They follow Jesus. And we're left wondering, why? Why do they do this? Because at this point in Mark's gospel, we've been given surprisingly little about who Jesus is and even anything to back up his claim that he is the king or that it's even worth following him. Well, that takes us to our passage today. See, perhaps you're here this evening and you're looking into Christianity. Maybe you're a bit skeptical of Jesus and you're wondering, is he really worth following? Is he, stuck, is he all that he's stacked up to be or that at least Christians claim him to be? Or maybe you're not sure that Jesus would be happy for you to be in his kingdom or for you to follow him. 
Maybe you're someone who's stayed away from church for a while, or you've come here as a fresher, and you're wondering, should I come to church? And maybe you've dragged yourself along, or someone else has dragged you along, and you're thinking, well, can I continue? Is Jesus worth looking into? Would he even want me to follow him? Well, I hope whoever we are, whatever our circumstances, we would see that he is worth following. And for those of us who know Jesus, who are following him and who are sure of him, well, we have those days, don't we, that we waver and we doubt. I hope that you'll be encouraged to see this week that it is worth following him. See, Mark begins this passage, and we come to this passage because Mark is showing us who Jesus is by what he does. We get to see the kind of king he is as we see the live action, as it were, of what his kingdom is like. And what we see of who he is might not be what we expect. It's certainly not what the people at the time expected. You see, Jesus is a different kind of king. And what we see of him is meant to win us over onto his side. We're meant to want to be on his side and to serve him gratefully. As we look at this passage closer, I want us to see that we're to be amazed by Jesus. And really, I want us to be amazed by Jesus. And we're to be amazed that he is, firstly, the king with authority, and secondly, the king with compassion. Let's look at our first point. Jesus is the king with authority. And he's the king with authority over evil and illness. We're to see that Jesus is a king who has genuine authority. Verse 21 and 28 bracket this first part of the passage. And we read in verse 22 and 27 these words. Verse 22, The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. In verse 27, the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching, and with authority? He, gives, he even gives orders to the impure spirits, and they obey him. In verse 21, Jesus is teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum, and the people recognized the authority of his teaching. What was his teaching? In Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, we're given a summary. It says there, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And this announcement from Jesus follows on from what we saw in verse 1. That he is the divine king of God's kingdom. So Jesus was teaching that God's kingdom had come and because he, as the king, had come. And so therefore he is the one who will establish God's kingdom. Now in a room of this size, I'm sure there are various views on who Jesus is. But we need to hear his authority on the matter. You see, he taught not like the teachers of the law, The teachers of the law would have said, when the Messiah, or when the king comes, then he will establish God's kingdom. But Jesus taught saying, I am the king. I am here. I have come. 
and he invites us to be part of his kingdom. See, there's a big difference, isn't there? If your lecturer stands up or your teacher stands up and says, well, now I'm going to teach you um, about what Albert Einstein taught about physics, for example. There's a big difference between your teacher or your lecturer and if Albert Einstein actually walked, walked into the room and began to teach you on physics. But Jesus is so much greater. And he's so more significant. And what he says is so more significant because he is the Son of God. You see, by him, the Father made everything. And so he is the one with ultimate authority on all things. But you notice that his teaching in the synagogue leads to a conflict. Because the message of who he is is how he causes his kingdom to spread. That's why the demon tries to interrupt and distract from his teaching. We've been seeing in the morning services um, in Genesis that God made the world good. Sickness and evil were not part of his original intention for the world. They're part of a world that's gone wrong. A, a world that is under his curse and one that is not uh, under his rule, as it were. Jesus' teaching is that he is the king who could establish God's kingdom. And here, it's backed up by demonstrating his authority over evil, illness, and death. The people say in verse 27, a new teaching with authority. He gives order to the impure spirits and they obey him. You see, with just a word in verse 25, Jesus says, be quiet, come out of him, and the demon leaves the man. And in verse 34, we read that Jesus healed many who had various diseases, and he also drove out many demons. We can understand why that evening, many people brought to Jesus all who were sick or demon-possessed. The waiting time from consultation to cure went from months to minutes when Jesus was around. Imagine calling your doctor and just over the phone, you're healed just by what they say to you. It would be phenomenal. There is illness and there is sickness and disease and suffering in this world from minor inconveniences to being bedridden and perhaps losing an income, not being able to walk, or losing a loved one. There is real suffering in this world. There is also real evil in this world which causes suffering. It's evil when nations attack other nations without provocation. When innocent people are killed. When children are exploited or harmed. Haven't you thought that in the last couple of days? that there's evil in the world when we think of Israel or the Ukraine. But just as there are evil people in the world who do evil things, the Bible is clear that there are also evil spirits. There are demons and a devil who we're told in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse, 9, uh, 5 verse 8 is our enemy. And he prowls around like a, uh, like a lion looking for someone to devour. There is a devil 
and he looks to cause real harm. He's against God, and he is against his kingdom purposes. And we see here, in this instance, as well as from the rest of the Gospels, that in Jesus' own life and ministry, he interacted with demons and the devil as personal spiritual beings. But Jesus is a king who has complete authority over evil and illness. See, when evil squares off with Jesus, it doesn't have a chance. Jesus gives the word, and evil must heal. You see, Jesus doesn't appeal to someone else. It's really interesting here. He doesn't pray and then appeal. He just gives a command. Nor does he follow any rituals or incantations to exercise the demon. There's nothing else involved. He just simply gives an order. And as the demon rightly points out in verse 24, Jesus is the Holy One of God. He's the King who is perfectly good and pure. And nothing impure or that causes harm can be in his kingdom. Now that's not to say that Christians won't get sick or that Christians won't ever suffer the effects of living in an evil world. But it does mean that these things won't ultimately destroy us. There's real hope if we're in Christ because we're protected by our King and He will see that these things won't ultimately destroy us. One day in the future, there won't be sickness or death and evil will not be part of his kingdom. And the fact that Jesus has this kind of authority is both distressing as well as, well as desirable. In verse 22 and in verse 27, the people in the synagogue are amazed. Now, there's a few uh, words for what, uh, sorry, a range of meaning for that word. It can either mean shocked or just in awe. In verse 32, we see they went looking for him. His authority is uncomfortable, but irresistible. See, Jesus has great power because he is God. It's an uncomfortable reality to realize who he is. There might be, not be something that you're expecting to hear about Jesus. As I said, maybe you're here for the first time or you're just looking in. Do you understand that Jesus has this kind of authority? He hasn't come into the world as a moral teacher. He hasn't come to just give us some good advice or how to live a better life. He's a king who can command and his word is listened to and he invites us to be in his kingdom. Recognizing who he is is important. But only recognizing who he is is not enough. See, the, de the demon recognized better than anyone else there that day who Jesus was. He's the Holy One, the Holy One of God. But that didn't mean he was in his kingdom. See, Jesus calls us to follow him. 
And so will you follow him? Will you not see him just as a coach or a moral advisor or someone to help you when things are difficult? Although he can, and he does show us the best way to live. And then he does help us. And we can call to him. See, many of you, well, we, we come to points in our life, don't we, where we have to make decisions. Well, we make decisions every day. But I'm particularly speaking to students. I have you on my mind. Um, as you hear, as freshers, and maybe you're looking for a church, and you're wondering, should I go to church, shouldn't I go to church? Do you recognize who Jesus is? Is he going to guide your decisions in this change of life that you're going through? And for the rest of us, whether we're in school or whether we're at work, we face decisions every day, don't we, of who we're going to listen to. Well, Jesus has all authority, and he calls us to listen to him. But his authority is also irresistible. He is worth following. You see, because he is holy, he is good. He's not only against evil that causes suffering and harm, but he's able to deal with it, and he's able to deal with it effortlessly. Through Jesus, God will make all things new. He has promised to do so. There will be a day when his kingdom is established in its fullness, and we will be free from all suffering and harm if we put our faith in him. You might find that you are being afflicted by some evil. Jesus is able to deliver you. He really is. You can find relief only in him. I assume that this was true for Kat Von D. Maybe you've never heard of Kat Von D. I'd never heard of her in my life before. But what's interesting about her is that she's... Um, apparently some famous tattoo artist in the States and has a big following. Um, but she was also into witchcraft. And just recently, she posted on her Instagram, I think, of her baptism, that she's now come to trust in Christ. She's turned away from witchcraft. Here is someone who I assume has found relief from evil in the Lord Jesus Christ and put her trust in him. There is safety in Christ. And we see that, well, a preaching ministry that is focused on Christ, well, we, we'll see two things. Firstly, it's how God's kingdom grows. That's why we value so much the preaching of God's word here, don't we? That points us to Christ. Because it's through his word that he grows his kingdom as we see more of who Jesus is. But not only will, will there be growth, there will also be opposition. There will be opposition as Christ is preached. The evil one will oppose his message. And so let me encourage us as a church family to pray for those who preach, particularly those who preach regularly, like Johnny and Pete. That Jesus is the holy king with authority over illness and evil, and that is good. But it's also uncomfortable to think about because if he is pure and nothing impure can be in his kingdom, what does that mean for us? Do you notice in verse 23 and 4 the ambiguity? <clears throat> Let me read those verses again. <clears throat> 
Just then, a man in their synagogue who was, a, who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Who is the us? The man with an impure spirit speaks. Who is the us? Is it the demons? Is it the demon and this man? Because surely he must have been involved in something evil to be possessed. If Jesus is the Holy One of God, will he destroy people too? Do we have any chance of being in his kingdom? Well, amazingly, we need to see that Jesus is the king with compassion. He's the king with compassion. And we're going to focus in particularly on verses 29 to 31. Because I think this is really the heart of the passage. You see, it is good that Jesus is holy, that he acts with God's authority. But there would be no hope for us if he did not have compassion. And his compassion is demonstrated in how he interacts with Simon Peter's mother-in-law. He hears that she has a fever, and he goes to her right away. He draws near to her, and he takes her hand. When you're really sick, it's comforting when someone sits next to you and holds your hand. And although he is the one who threw the stars into the space, and he made the stars that are distant, he's not distant from us. He draws near. You see, he doesn't send someone else to go and help Simon's mother-in-law. Even though he is a king with great authority. Now, to have a fever today could be a serious thing. It could be. Thankfully, by God's grace, we have penicillin, which helps us. But in these times, if you had a fever, it was a scary thing. You could potentially die. And sitting with someone who is very ill could be a scary thing too. Have you ever had that experience where you're sitting with someone who's so ill and you just feel so powerless? You can't, you can't do anything for them. Jesus wasn't powerless. As we see in verse 31, he helps her up and she starts serving him and the disciples. Now, at first glance, that might seem uncompassionate. Like, Get up, lady, you know. Um, no, he's not... He's not being unkind. He's not making a violently ill woman get up and carry on because we see that the fever left her. And he's able to make her so well that she's able to get up right away and with gratitude serve him. And it's a beautiful contrast, I think, to what we see in verse 34 where all the crowds are coming to be healed and he's healing so many people. But here... He sees this woman, and he cares for her in particular. See, friends, Jesus cares for you. He cares for us, but he cares for you. I think that these verses show us Jesus' compassion towards people who don't deserve his compassion, though. 
not just those who are suffering in a world of evil and illness, but also those who don't deserve his compassion. Because in Leviticus 26, verse 16, the Lord said to Israel, If you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring on you sudden terror, wasting disease, and fever that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. Now in the law, there there was a direct correlation between Israel breaking God's covenant and then being sick or suffering fever and disease. But we're not under the law. And that is not the case for us. For, for us, though there is illness and fever and disease, we are, it's not necessarily, and please hear me, we don't get sick because it's, there's necessarily a direct correlation between us getting sick and disobeying God. You don't have flu this month because you told a lie last month, the previous month. But illness and disease, they do lead to death in a world in this world, and that tells us that there is something wrong between us and God. There is a problem, generally speaking. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God's word, and that caused a broken relationship between us. And one of the effects of that broken relationship is that now we live in a world where there is illness and disease and evil. We see this in Genesis 3. It it indicates to us that we are outside of his kingdom, None of us loves God as we should, and none of us obeys him as we should. And what we see here is Jesus who deals compassionately with impure people, even though he is the Holy One of God. Although he has all authority over illness and evil and disease, he doesn't come to condemn or destroy, but to save and forgive and make us clean so that we would serve him and so that we would follow him. Now we're going to explore this more as we go on through Mark's gospel. And we're going to see more and more that he has authority to make us pure by forgiving our sins so that we can serve him. But let me say that you must know that he came not just to this woman to heal her, but he came to this world to die for us in our place. His compassion is seen at the cross where he took the death that we deserve and there he served us so that we could serve him and be in his kingdom. Why does Jesus not let the demons speak in verse 34? In verse 34, he does not let them speak. They know he is the Holy One of God. And I think it's because he doesn't want people to get the wrong idea of who he is from the demons. He wants us to see and understand what it means for him to be a king and what it means to be the king of God's kingdom by what he does. That we see he has authority and he has compassion. The surprise in this passage is we're not on his side. But he doesn't treat us as we deserve, or maybe even how we might expect. He's a different kind of king. And he shows us compassion, and his compassion is both disturbing and desirable as well. It's surprising 
He cares that in a world where we as people, and people in particular, individuals suffer, he cares for us. And so we can ask him to alleviate our suffering. And as particularly as his people, we can pray and ask him to, to heal us and to save us. But these blessings will come in their fullness one day. Because what is more significant now is that we are in his kingdom now. Why doesn't Jesus just heal everyone? You've perhaps been asked that question. And I bet if you're a student or if you're in school, you'll be asked that question by your friends. Why doesn't Jesus just heal everyone now, immediately? Well, because there's a bigger issue at play. And again, we're going to see more of this as we go on through Mark's gospel. Are we in his kingdom? The king has come, and he calls us to repent and to believe in him. Or we turn to him to clean us and forgive us. See, we're not too messy that Jesus can't forgive us. And we see in this passage that although he invites us to be in his kingdom, he must first serve us so that we can serve him. And he did this by dying on the cross for us. Not only for the world, but for you. Jesus is a different kind of king. Will you follow him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and that by it you show us who you are and what you are like. We pray, Lord, please will you help us to see your greatness and your love and so follow you. And we ask this in your name. Amen.